Welcome to day 184 of the story that changes everything. Our readings for today are Isaiah chapters 4 through 6 and Psalm 78 verses 1 through 39. Here's some thoughts to guide your reading for today. The fourth chapter of Isaiah is a brief response of hope to the threats of judgment articulated in chapter 3. Whether in response to the threat of Assyria or the later captivity in Babylon, the prophet always holds out the hope that God will keep a remnant of faithful people through whom he can rebuild the city. Like Noah and his family in Genesis, the God who created in the beginning can recreate even through a small faithful remnant. Chapter 5 contains a unique and distinct poem or literary piece. Verses 1 through 7 consist of a love poem. Verses 8 through 23 contain a series of woe sayings. And verses 24 through 30 expect judgment to come in the form of a foreign invasion. The poem of love for God's vineyard starts out well. God articulates all the ways he has cared for and nurtured his vineyard. But the poem turns quickly from love to frustration and judgment. God expected the vineyard to produce the good fruit of justice and righteousness, only to find it producing the bad fruit of bloodshed and distress instead. Verses 8-24 through 24 articulate six woes, or words of doom. The words each surround acts of selfishness, covetousness, and arrogant living. In the midst of the woes, there are three therefores that announce God's judgment. The people will go into exile, experience death, and see all they have given their life to turned to dust. Verses 25 through 30 specify the form that God's judgment will take. God's justice will come in the form of an invading foreign nation. The nation in the text is simply named as a nation from far away. It's likely left open and generic so that it can be read in both contexts critical to the book of Isaiah. In the context of the 8th century, that nation is certainly Assyria, who will threaten Ahaz and Hezekiah in the next several chapters. But in the larger view of the book, the threat is Babylon, who will eventually destroy Jerusalem and take the people into exile. Beginning at chapter 6, verse 1, and continuing through chapter 9, verse 7, we get an extended unit or of memoir or testimony from Isaiah. The language even shifts to first-person narrative, and it recounts the prophet's encounter with Ahaz, the king of Judah. The first eight verses of the chapter contain one of the best-known and most-loved call narratives in the Bible. The text is marked with a timestamp, the year that King Uzziah died. Uzziah's reign had been long and prosperous and secure for the people of Judah. At his death, everything seemed to be in upheaval for the nation. Isaiah, in that moment, finds himself in the holiest place he could be, in the very throne room of God, with worship going on all around. The overwhelming sense of God's holiness makes Isaiah keenly aware of his own inadequacy and lack of qualification for being in the divine presence. In an important prophetic turn, what could have, or perhaps even should have, resulted in Isaiah's destruction turns instead into Isaiah's healing. Rather than needing to be pure to be in God's presence, God's presence makes Isaiah pure. The holy moment in the throne room is quickly disrupted by a purpose to fulfill. There's kingdom work to be done. God needs a messenger. And immediately, without much reflection upon the cost, Isaiah submits himself to God's call. Here am I. Send me. We often stop reading or quoting after verse 8, and it's understandable why. The message that God gives Isaiah to proclaim is not one of comfort, but of perplexing judgment. 
The message seems to be that God does not want the people to understand. He wants their senses to be dulled so that they will not hear and respond in faith. Isaiah rightly responds in protest, How long, Lord? The closing verses are clearly about exile. Verse 13 introduces an important image for Isaiah, a tree that has been cut off and is now only a stump. But again, the last word, however brief, is still a ray of hope. Somehow that stump will be a holy seed for God's new creative work. Our psalm for today is the first half of Psalm 78. We're reading verses 1 through 39. And like the message of Isaiah, it too contains words of judgment and warning. It hopes for generations that will come that will not just know God's story, but live into and out of God's story. This section is a beautiful retelling of the Exodus history with a special concern, like Isaiah, on the issue of coveting or of guarding our desires. I think my favorite verses in the first half of the psalm are verses 29 and 30. It says, So they ate and were completely satisfied. God gave them exactly what they craved, but they didn't stop craving, even with the food still in their mouths. And yet, the psalm also ends with a word of hope and grace. God keeps being compassionate and keeps forgiving sin. This is the hope that even the most strident prophet like Isaiah cannot get past. God will not stop working until he completes his work in us. We carry on tomorrow with Isaiah. We're reading chapters 7 through 9. I'll talk to you tomorrow.